0: We'll get you traffic in a little bit. This is gameplay right here on TSN 1050. I am your host, Matthew because We're going to be getting Steve Buffery on the line in just a second from the Toronto Sun should have run that gameplay on TSN 1050. Brought to you by FanDuel, but on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I'm sorry that the, the intro for this wasn't bigger and glorious. When he makes his official final retirement, it will bring him on and do all the pomp and circumstance. But here I am over the weekend. I'm checking on my Twitter account. I'm looking at Beezer's Sun, And suddenly, there's a tweet from him saying he's going to be retiring. I'm like, i got to get on the show. Steve Buffery from the Toronto Sun. I'm going to miss you, buddy.
1: Oh, thanks, Matt. I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, the same, although with this with the pandemic, I didn't have really seen many people other than maybe at TFC games, but uh, yeah, I miss all you guys.
0: Yeah, you know what's funny about that? It's I I, I missed it as well. We at Carlo Coliacovo had a 40th birthday party at this giant hall on Friday, and all of us got far drunker than we should have. <laughs> and part of it was we just hadn't seen each other, and we were just yeah. so excited. Like there's Andy Patrillo, and there's there's Michael Landsberg, and there's Carl. Like just, and we're all in person, and we're smiling and having a good time. You know, what, let's go there with you. How much? How much of that impacted you and other writers? And and again, there are always people that are worse off, and we're not we're not medical professionals or nurses or even truck drivers or people who work at grocery stores. And how how um, how unsettling that was in the first year of COVID. But how tough was it just as a writer? Writer going yeah. through COVID.
1: Yeah, it was tough, Matt. I mean, you know, we couldn't go any, to any events, and then they started. You know, they started the, the professional sports up again, and and you know, my beat right now, my latest beat is TFC, and uh, you know, I was I was also at home working, but also looking after my eight-year-old son Tommy, who was doing school through the computer, right. But you know, I, I took a lot of pride in that in the fact that I really used my my old my all my experience, all many years of experience, being able to like sniff out stories on the phone um, without having anything handed to me. Like in other words, I couldn't be at the field or the training ground or games for a while. So you know, I I'd call people. I try to get something interesting every day. Same with Woodbine. You know, people up at Woodbine, as your dad would know, were going through a lot because they closed the track and they weren't getting any money from betting. And, you know, these a lot of these people who work at the track are, you know, very low paid and they they closed the, the backstretch and, you know, it was, it was awful. And I every day I tried to just, you know, get the point across that you can have racing. People don't have to be at the track to race, to bet anymore. They can do it from home so you can control the racing and all that stuff. And it took the Ontario government a while to, kind of figure that out. But yep. so yeah, it was tough I and mean, then especially tough when you're sort of an older guy like me looking after an eight year old who's you have to make sure he's paying attention when the school's going on. But you know, it, it you know, it it was tough but it was also like uh I found it was almost like a a learning experience. It almost took me back to the roots where you you know, before uh, the internet and stuff where you had to rely on the phone to dig out stuff and, and
0: that kind of thing, Matt. You know? Yeah. Oh. Oh. God. Yeah. And by the way, good for you. I was worried for a second you were going to say you used your time off to lose twenty pounds, learn how to bake bread, yeah, learn to play the guitar, and uh, uh, you didn't learn how to speak like Portuguese or something, did you?
1: Well, my wife's Filipino, so uh, she's going to teach me Tagalog. But you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You know, I have I have trouble with the English language being from Mimica, You know. You know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we could uh, go chat about that at the Blue Goose. Actually, you know what, Buff? Yeah. I, I, I wanted to have you on just to sort of talk about the industry and some of your best memories, and, like basically just you uh, exploit you as, as a storyteller. But for the young people um, out there, how, uh, how different was it covering the team, uh, whichever team it was? Because you've had so many different beats. What was it like covering sports when you first got started at The Sun versus now? And I know it's more than just not having the internet.
1: Yeah, it was different. Like, you know, my my main beat was Olympic sports slash amateur sports. And, you know, that was the day with, you know, the Ben Johnson scandals. And there's always seemed to be a scandal around the track and field team. And, you know, they were always racing Europe. So I was constantly on the phone to different people in Europe. Um, And, you know, and you're trying to find out, you hear stories about what's going down with track and field teams and all kinds of Olympic sports teams over there. So you have to, like, you know, you have to find a way to, like, get newspaper articles from Germany and England and then track down uh, head coaches of different teams. And, I mean, you're you're on the phone for, like, eight hours a day as opposed to just punching on your computer and going on the Internet. So, I mean, it was tough. Um, you know, it just, like, and you, I mean, you have probably heard stories from your dad over the years, but even filing stories, it was like, you know, you go on the road and you would have, like, these radio shack machines and you would have to send your story in from a phone booth and you'd have to use these couplers and you dial this number and you'd you'd wait for this like loud screech. And then you'd have to put the couplers on the phone and, and then, but if anybody was making noise in the background, it would interfere with your sending the story in and you'd have to go again. I mean, it was just, you know, it was like, uh, it was like the dark ages really, but, and that's not that long ago. I mean, I'm not that old, but no, it, it was a whole different, uh, different
0: way of doing things, you know? Hey, listen, I'm joined by Steve Buffery from the Toronto Sun. I mean, my dad, my favorite story for my dad was he'd go and interview Punch Imlac, the former coach of the Maple Leafs, and Punch would just look at him and go, Lou, write whatever you want. Just don't make me sound illiterate. And... And it was, it's such a it such different time. I, like, I don't know who were the, some of the first coaches you, you used to cover in either baseball or hockey or, you know, the Argonauts or anything like that. But, like, just the difference in the relationship between coaches and media when you got started versus what is, like, now in 2023. Well,
1: it was totally different, Matt, because the one thing that we don't get now is that you would, you know, I remember the Leafs. You could go in the dressing room after practices or after games, and you could wait around and get. Guys, one on one, you get them in the stall, and you could actually have a chat with them. But, like, I remember one of the lease coaches right near the start was John Brophy, is you know the the, the guy that Paul Newman's uh, character in Slapshot was uh, sort of uh, written after the old lease coach. Yeah. <laughs> just you know, just every second word he was an East coaster. Every second word was an was an f bomb, and uh, you know, as a noun, is like you know, and everything. And that he was he was like. I remember one of our one of my colleagues, Lance Hornby, who still covers the Leafs, he taped John Bofrey after a game that they lost. It. He went on this rant for about 10 minutes, and every second word was an F-bomb. And could you imagine doing that now? And then years later, when John was coaching at East Coast Hockey League down in Virginia Beach, my my sports editor, Scott Morrison, sent me down there to do a feature on him. And i tell you, Matt, he couldn't have been nicer. I mean, he... He took me out for dinner. He wanted me to go on a road trip. Like he was the nicest guy away from the pressure cooker of being a Leafs coach. And that—that's what it's like. You got when you get to know people, like it's hard to do that now. I mean, I, especially like the the main beats, like the Leafs and the Jays. Like there's rarely one-on-ones anymore. You, you can't get to know. Players like we were. I mean, I sound like one of these. Oh, it was way better in the
0: old days, but no, but it was better. Like, like, listen, there's lots of things that are better now. There's lots of things that Twitter and internet and Instagram have done that we get to see behind the scenes, and we get to see some really cool things. But like anything else in life, it's balanced. What you don't yeah. have is that level of empathy, that relationship where you could really learn about someone because everyone either has their guard up or there's a there's a hundred PR people, and every and every word yeah. and sentence is carefully measured and it yeah. wa- it takes the humanity out of it.
1: Yes for sure. And I remember like you know, two of my favorite coaches in Toronto of all time were Sam Mitchell yep. and yep. John Gibbons. And uh, you know, they used to say stuff that, you know, I mean if they ever got out, there'd be scandals. I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about them because we we'd laugh our asses we laugh our asses off, but you know, but but that was different. In those days you'd have a small group of writers In one of their offices, and then we just shoot the you know what, and you could you could just say things like I mean Sam Mitchell was a who like he, I mean you could have done it you know they have these shows now where the cameras follow athletes around and they, they if they followed Sam around I mean that that show would have been a huge success because he was just so funny and I don't know if a coach can do that kind of stuff now you know yeah. Yeah. Oh
0: no! No, everything is too guarded, and 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 we parse every word. And I mean, we can go down just what's going on right now in society with that, but we don't have time for it yeah. because I got four hundred more questions for you. I'll get to about two of them. Um, yeah, your big beat again, joined by Steve Buffery from the Toronto Sun. Like, you know, what I think about you? Yeah, I do think of Olympics. I think of boxing. And as you put on your social media account, man, if this was the '40s, you would be the king of all media. But I, I'm curious when you covered the Olympics, just. Is there one that stands out, the one Olympian that was the most impressive one you ever saw live?
1: I would guess it would be Donovan Bailey, you know, from what, like, you know, he won the two gold medals in Atlanta in 96. Largely because, you know, I covered him his career leading up to those games, and, you know, he was sort of running in the shadow of the Ben Johnson scandal, and everywhere he went, uh, and anywhere any sprinter went in those days, everybody was questioning, what's he on, what's he taking? You know, because Track and Field went through this thing where when I was covering world track and field championships back then, it was like covering a pharmaceutical convention like the office didn't want who won the hundred and what time they wanted what did you hear about you know the the uh, you know the drugs and this and that and who tested positive and what have you heard from Late magazine, which was always punching out doping scandals in 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 Germany and stuff so Donovan had to run under that uh, pressure cooker, and he was a, sort of a new guy. He was new to the sport. He wasn't like one of these guys who started sprinting when he was a kid. And I remember he had a really raw style, and a lot of hunters said that this guy, he's talented, but he'll never make it. And I remember Charlie Francis, who was convinced the old great uh, yep. track coach, Ben Johnson's coach, he, he, I remember he thought everybody was on drugs, and he might have been right in those days, but. I remember him saying to me, you know, one guy who's not on drugs is Donovan because his style is so awkward that there's no way that he, you know, he could be taken But anything. Um, and then he, he went to Atlanta with all this pressure on him against the Americans in the U.S. and just absolutely rose to the occasion like few athletes I've ever seen. And then, you know, just before that, the day before the 100 meters, the bomb went off yep. the Centennial Park, and he had to, you know, there was, everybody was worried, you know, talking about that. So, you know, that was one of the most impressive things. I mean, Daniel Agalli winning the gold medal in wrestling in Sydney, I'll show you it was big for me because wrestling was my sport. And I remember when he won it, I was sitting surrounded by all my colleagues. from, And I had to explain to them what the hell was going on on the mat because, you know, amateur wrestling is a, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, things that are going on that a lot of people don't know how you score points, what that throw was, what that takedown was. So that was really special. And you know, just Chile and Pelche getting their gold medal in Salt Lake City. But you know what, Matt, not to, not to babble too much, but I, the biggest uh, memory I have of many Olympics is Nagano the when um, there was a girl named Vicki Sunahara from Toronto on the hockey team. And she was after winning the gold medal, she was going to go to her father's family's ancestral village in Japan to meet her long lost relatives who she'd never met. And Canada lost the U.S., and she was really in a big funk. She didn't want to go. But she went with me and a bunch of guys uh, from the National Film Board, a guy named Michael Gripple, and we went down there. And she went to this hotel with all these long lost Japanese relatives, and they they formed this human bridge. And she came in, and they oh. sang to her, and they everybody hugged and kissed her, and she was just it was most profound things I'd ever seen at, at anything I covered, and that more than anything else sticks in my mind as a highlight, you know.
0: That's a great story, Steve. In the middle of it, you're like, "Sorry for babbling." Well, I thank you for babbling. That's a great, great story. And uh, and and, but you know, I don't, I'm not going to ask you when's your last day or anything like that. April first. April first.
1: April Fool's Day. good.
0: Did you do that on purpose?
1: No, I got the word from the office.
0: This is your last day. Good night. You know. Okay, well then, either, either March 31st or April 2nd, uh, I'll, I'll give you a day to recover, maybe April 3rd. Uh, I, I, I want to get you back on and just tell more stories. I, I'm sorry, like I was thinking, okay, you know what? Maybe we'll talk a little TFC, but i just rather hear just some of your stories because, again, Steve, as a guy who buys every newspaper in this city at one time or another, and I, I still do it on a weekly basis. Oh, we appreciate that. Hey, man, I, I appreciate the work everyone's Sunstar, Globe, Post, all of them. Uh, You've been part of uh, a lot of our sports lives for so long. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best, but we will chat soon. Thanks for
1: having me on, Matt. Appreciate
0: it. Absolutely. Take care. That is Steve Buffery from the Toronto Sun. Good final story. That's a really cool story from... uh, from Steve Buffrey. I'm going to, I like just, you know, maybe it's because I'm one of the older people here at the station. I'm just used to reading the newspaper more. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of great writers that have been in this town. And I know some people are listening right now and you're yelling at your radio and you disagree. And it's it's like anything else in this business. In sports media, unless you're Dave Poulin, uh, it's hard to have 100% approval rating. Poulin's basically the only guy. He's got it. Everyone else, you know, eh. Eh, not so much. All right. Uh, on the other side of sh- uh, the, the show, we haven't really even played that much show Maybe we'll get a little bit of uh, basketball as well. But we got Dominic Pedula uh, is uh, is going to be joining us at three thirty talk a little um, just uh, the betting analysis from all the NHL trades that have happened and what does this mean in terms of futures bets so we will do that in just a moment I'm Matthew Koz. you are listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050 Now Dave's got it, 145 to play Bump, drives, runs it up Yes! 70! 71 for Damian Lillard. Oh, man, I got goosebumps. I got chills. I'm seeing history. Dame is the eighth player in NBA history to score 70 or more. A mini break from talking about the Leafs, getting Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty from the Chicago Blackhawks. Let's talk about what we saw last night in the NBA. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Kiles, right here on TSN 1050. Now, uh, producer Nick McVicker, do you want me to go full Debbie Downer on what we saw from Damian Lillard scoring 71 points and didn't even need overtime to get it done?
2: How, how do you go Debbie Downer on a seventy-one point performance? I'm very curious. I don't want you to go full Debbie Downer because I do want to see the positive. But how do you go Debbie
0: Downer on this? First off, that basket that made it seventy-one. There was no defense on him whatsoever. You did it against Houston. It's. I mean, it's, I'm saying if you wanted to go Debbie Downer, you'd be like, I, if you go watch that game, there was not a lot of defense being thrown at him. And we've already had one guy score 71. Of course, that Donovan Mitchell, but that was in overtime. But if I was going to go Debbie Downer, that's how I would do it. For, for me, my biggest takeaway is he's the oldest player to do it, to score 70 points or more at 32. And the shame of it all is it feels like Damian Lillard is going gonna to be on one of those lists of greatest players to never even make it to an NBA Finals. That kind of feels like where we're heading um, with the Portland Trailblazers point slash shooting guard. I
2: don't know what you want. What did you want? Huh? What? What? What did you say? What do you mean?
0: What did I say?
2: Sorry, we're dealing with some technical stuff back here okay. that are trying to fix no, the log. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. I missed what you said, so I apologize, okay. Man, Go
0: ahead. No, 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 no. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'll just continue talking to the... Uh, I. By the way, I love that awkward moment. Like, what do you mean? What did I say? I just said what I said. I mean, what I basically did said... Did you the,
2: throw to the... The clip? Is that what you did? No,
0: no, okay. no. I haven't thrown any Then clip. we're good. Then no, I no. didn't
2: miss the clip. <laughs>
0: I've thrown a no clip. we got a funny clip. But if I'm going to do the positive on Damian Lillard, usually the player that scores the most points eh, doesn't have a lot of assists. Damian Lillard had more assists than any player on the Houston Rockets or the Portland Trailblazers last night while shooting 22 of 38, going 13 of 22 from the three-point line and a perfect 14 from 14 from the free-throw line as Portland beats Houston 131-114. Here is the clip we wanted to play, because i got to tell you, you want to know the true Debbie Downers, it's not me, and I'm doing mine, I'm just doing mine sarcastically. Listen to Damian Lillard talking about what he had to do the moment that game ended.
1: I mean, honestly, I was like, are y'all serious? Like, I, I did the urine test yesterday, and then they backed it up with the blood draw tonight after the game. That was actually my first time in my career being tested after a game. And then aside from that, they know that I'm scared of needles. So I know I got a lot of tattoos, but when you're doing a blood draw, it's different than, it's different than tattoos.
0: Imagine if the NBA had done the drug test and found that Damian Lillard had all the drugs in him, like, <laughs> Just <all of> them. <laughs> like basically half his body was a Rod and the other half was Barry Bonds with Jeez. a sprinkling of of Lance Armstrong. What if that, like, like you you couldn't release that info? No, you couldn't, really, not you couldn't release. Not release that he had something. No, you keep that quiet. He got seventy-one points. The NBA's had lousy ratings. All we're doing is talking about load management, and no one gives a bleep at the All-Star game. Damian Lillard gets Which is accurate. Yeah, it's, it's all accurate. That's that's why we're talking about <laughs> it. But uh, like, like if I'm the NBA, I'm like, huh? Why do we not test him today? Because in case he has something, and we have well, to. Especially it. the fact
2: that he said he's never been tested after a game like yeah. that. That says what are you doing? That means it's not a. It's not random. <laughs> and B that probably not the smartest decision by no. the week.
0: No. No, God no. Not even close to All, it. also,
2: mm. I'm with Dame. Needles suck when you're when it's getting blood taken. That's the worst feeling. It's it's like the the thing about it is is first off, you don't watch, do you? You you, you look <laughs> away, right? The uh, first time I did I passed out, so did you really? Oh yeah. <laughs> I also passed out in the hospital when I wasn't watching. No, oh. But they had taken three it, three it, different times okay and they didn't let me eat and i was not happy about it
0: oh well see for me that's a whole different story that is that is that's like oh like we need we need more time for we got to cut in on overdrive but i i find that um uh me i look away Uh, i never i I, do too i I always look away and it's like oh there's a little pain and then and then after that you uh i always love when they
2: when you have to do it at like the doctor's office and they they ask you hey would you like to lie down Mm. Like they give you that option. Mm. Not every place does, but every once in a while they'll get that option from some place, and you're just like, "Yeah,
0: <laughs> that, that sounds great." I, I just, I just put me under for everything. I go to the dentist. Put me under. Like, I don't care what you do to me. Just it's a different look.
2: That's a different look.
0: I know. I know. I'm just saying in general. Just, you know, give me the gas. Uh, whatever it is, to just put me under for like half an hour. Um, we don't have a lot of time to talk about the Raptors. They got killed One eighteen ninety three to Cleveland. They barely beat Detroit. Um, you could see how much they miss Fred Van Vliet. Congratulations to Fred Van Vliet and his family. They welcomed a the child uh, into their home. Um, you know, his wife gave birth. That's fantastic. Um, Back-to-back for the Raptors, playing against a good Cleveland team that had lost three games in a row, and you saw it. They got dominated early and often. They shot 39%. Cavs shot 52%. Cavs, 18 of 36 from three. Uh, Donovan Mitchell looked like the star that he is. 35 points, six rebounds, four assists. And what's coming up for the Raptors? Chicago tomorrow, game you can listen to right here on TSN 1050, then Washington twice. If, if the Raptors have any dreams of avoiding 9-10, of getting up to seven, they pretty much got to sweep these games. They got it against Chicago and against Washington twice. You got to sweep those games. Also, what's going on with OG Ananobi in that wrist? Just one shot in the first 17 minutes of the first half. Ended up shooting three of seven. You don't have Van Vleet. There's a lot more shots out there to take, and OG took seven. All right, on so long, quickly, Matt. Yeah, yeah.
2: I saw this really cool stat. I figured you would like it. Mm. Um, The Raptors, preseason, were 46.5 over under for their win total. I'm aware of
0: that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They're one loss away from securing the under. There's (sighs) one team that has already secured the under. There's one that's already got it. Yeah. They had like 56.5 at the beginning of the season. Oh, okay. uh, It was like a high team. I'll see if I can find it. I saw this earlier today. It it wouldn't be like the
0: Lakers or something like that. No, it wasn't
2: the Lakers. It was somebody that. Was supposed to be really good and still are having a decent season, but can't get to the number that they were. Mm, maybe like told the Phoenix Suns. To. Yeah, let me uh, yeah, let a, me get to that. that. I'll, I'll find it, but I figured you'd like that.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to guess the Suns. Uh, by the way, Dominic Medulla, TSN Edge, betting analyst, joins us next. We'll talk about the Jake McCabe acquisition by the Maple Leafs. What does that do for their chances? And all these giant stars going from west to east. What does that mean for anyone who wants to bet on any future bet about the NHL playoffs? We'll do that after traffic, which is brought to you by JanPro. Canada's leader in commercial cleaning and disinfection services. Trust the professionals at JanPro. Visit them today at JanPro.ca. Time now for traffic. I said it at the top of the show, and I'll continue to say this. This is Gameplay Meadows, math because You're listening, listening to TSN 1050. Gary Bettman needs to respond to all the wild action going on in the NHL. Whether it's the Rangers with Tarasenko and maybe Patrick Kane, the Leafs with Ryan O'Reilly, now Andrew McCabe, Bo Horvat to the Islanders, Timo Meyer to the Devils. Tanner Janot to Tampa and all these teams trading a boatload of draft picks. And a lot of these teams that are doing all this hard work to entertain their fans, to try to do what they are supposed to do in sports, and that is win, these teams will be punished because they'll all be playing each other because of the playoff system. I'm saying something completely new. Whoever the top 16 teams are, East and West, I don't care. You throw them all into the playoffs, one versus 16, March Madness style. Dominic Padula, how much better would you enjoy betting on and watching the NHL playoffs if it wasn't, you know, two teams with a 650 winning percentage knocking themselves out early, and now the Seattle Kraken have got a better chance of moving on further than the Tampa Bay Lightning?
3: Well, hey, you made a good point, and I'm sure come May you'll have at least a couple of uh, yeah. fan bases that would love that idea, because what's going to happen is you've got six of the top seven choices to win the Stanley Cup all playing in the Eastern Conference, and two of those teams won't get out of the first round, so I'm sure by the time May rolls around, you'll have a couple of fan bases wanting a, a different playoff system for sure.
0: Oh yeah, abs- absolutely. And as uh, as you mentioned on FanDuel, 6 of the top 7 all from the East, which you know, to me this says like I don't know what your strategy is or uh, or what you do when it comes to uh, Stanley Cup futures bets. I think I'm I'm going to avoid it, maybe put down 5 bucks on, you know, the Flames who aren't even in the playoffs right now, but like if I'm going to bet someone I i'd I'd feel better betting on Colorado than I would on the Boston Bruins.
3: absolutely. and And
0: to your point,
3: uh, if you bet on Colorado right now, Edmonton right now is the second choice to win the Western Conference. And they're further down the list than six of the teams from the Eastern Conference in terms of the Stanley Cup futures market. So to your point, wide open, it'll be very interesting to see what happens at the trade deadline, whether or not a team like the Oilers, the Stars, the Golden Knights can make a move to position themselves a little better to deal with Colorado. But I've been watching the past couple of Avalanche games now that the NFL season's over. I've got a lot more spare time on my hands, and Colorado... They're rounding into form. They're still missing Kale McCarr. He's been out with concussion symptoms. Gabriel Landeskog, he's nearing his return. They've played the majority of the season without a lot of their players in the lineup, whether it's Natushka missing some games, McKinnon, et cetera. When they're back at full strength with Alexander Georgiev, who I think has played better than people give him credit for to date, Colorado's going to be a tough team to take out in the Western Conference and in the East. Boston's going to have to deal with Tampa Bay, and then whoever's left of Carolina, New Jersey, uh, the Rangers. um, So a much, much more difficult path through the Eastern Conference. But one of the things that I would actually highlight is the potential parity we'll get, and it depends really on the lens that you look at these teams through. Tampa Bay's going to play Toronto in the first round. If we're looking at the Stanley Cup odds, I mean, the Maple Leafs are likely going to be favored against the Lightning in the first round. Personally, I would jump on the Lightning if that opportunity presents itself. New Jersey and the New York Rangers is another series I would look at. That could be a pick-up. Uh, Devils and Rangers, that could be a pickup. Yeah, oh, And I would yeah. mean Rangers in that spot, so couple of series to keep an eye out for in terms of uh, betting the NHL playoffs a couple of weeks from
0: now. Yeah, and I think that's the message for everyone. If When you want to bet on the playoffs, then bet on series. Don't do the futures because the way the East is set up, it's just it's too difficult. It, it, it's far, far too difficult to bet on any of these teams because you don't know. And, and the crazy thing I say then, the Bruins got or- Orloff you know, just a, a little while ago, made their defense that much better, but here we are. Uh, I'm curious Get your thoughts on Austin Matthews' prop bets. Again, joined by Dominic Padula from TSN Edge. You can read the morning coffee column every day at tsn.ca slash edge. I wonder about Matthews' goal prop bets. And should we wait to see if Marner is on a line with him? And if Marner is on a line with him, maybe we should, you know, uh, be a little bit more enthusiastic about betting the over.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, two goals in his last game, uh, but before that, five straight games without a goal, and the way that offense is spread out right now with William really Nylander really taking a step forward and and then, uh, you know, the new line with O'Reilly, Tavares, and Marner, whether or not they stick together, I think it's definitely something you look out for, especially based on how they're priced, right? Like, Matthews has hovered around even money to score uh, all season when he's played. Um, you know, not certainly not going to sniff at 28 goals but uh, he hasn't performed at the pace that he did last year and so definitely looking at temper expectations and certainly part of that is going to be who he plays with Um, and there's other props that you can look at right like you don't really have to force the issue with the Austin Matthews anytime goal prop William Nylander His shots on goal prop has been one that I've been playing pretty steadily throughout the year. Obviously, uh, adding to that with the Nylander anytime goal scorer market, he's got uh, a goal in five of his last seven games. So, with other players stepping up for the Leafs and obviously the offense spread out a little more, um, no reason to really be forcing it with Matthews. Superior talent, obviously the lead talent from a goal scoring department, but just in terms of the actual production so far this season. Other guys have stepped up. Uh, offense is firing. Uh, Nylander is one of those guys that I think has really had a, a breakout season in terms of performing above expectations, especially from a goal-scoring um, perspective with 33 goals on the season. So no reason to force it with Matthews until you um, have a better understanding of who he's playing with and, and what the number is for an anytime goal-scorer prop.
0: Is there any, um, and, and if you want to say no, there isn't, that's fine, and hopefully James Duffy isn't listening, uh, but, but Dominic, is there any uh, player you're keeping an eye on, you're like, okay, if that guy moves, and especially if they go to this team or this team, then, uh, and, and I'm going to put Patrick Kane out of this, because it yeah. feels like it's a done deal, he's going to the Rangers, is there any other players you're sort of keeping an eye on going, that guy could make a difference?
3: No, you're absolutely right. I don't think there is. Uh, I think I think there's a couple of players. Maybe like I've heard the Kings maybe adding a goaltender uh, behind Phoenix Copley who's played well. Like you know maybe if they get a, a goalie that that provides them some support down the stretch um, in terms of actually getting into the playoffs. But at this point in time, like you know Colorado's the team to beat in the West. You know maybe Edmonton, maybe Edmonton can can make a run again in the East. Um, a lot of the moves have already been made, and, and to your point, it looks like Patrick Kane's headed to the Rangers. Um, so it's going to take a, a surprise move, a, a trade that really isn't involving any of the players on the updated TSN trade bait board, to really move the needle. At this point, I think we have a pretty good idea of what these teams are going to look like. Um, and, and from a future's perspective, I don't really expect any significant movement on Friday.
0: Oh, 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 there's someone very sad hearing that. Um, I, I And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this question and again. If you're like, nope, I don't have anything on it, totally fine. Because uh, just when you look at the schedule, I see tonight it is Boston, the third uh, game of their Western Road Swing, In Edmonton tonight and going on FanDuel, uh, these might be some of the shortest odds you get with the Bruins. Only, and I repeat, only minus 130 on the road in Edmonton. Uh, Your thoughts either on this game, the over-under is 6.5. How do you approach what is a really uh, enjoyable-looking game?
3: Yeah, I can't wait to watch this game. I like Boston. Took Boston on the money line. I think that uh, a team like the Bruins, your point they're absolutely cruising right into a little bit of a bump uh but really putting things together of late and, and they got that win streak uh coming into tonight's game i think they circle this game as um the type of contest where it's like look like if you're Patrice Bergeron or David Krejci, like, how, how do we match up against Connor McDavid and Leon Triceidel? Um, you know, obviously two elite talents and, and a really good test for a Bruins team that hasn't really had to get up for many games this season. I would consider this one of the games that they do get up for. And I think there's an opportunity, uh, when it comes to some of these coin props. I look at a player like Jake DeBrusque. Uh, steady contributor, kind of flying under the radar. Obviously, uh, Bergeron, Marsha, and Pasternak uh, get all a lot of the credit, and, and it certainly do. But Jake DeBrust's point prop stands out for me. I like the Bruins in tonight's game, um, but I do I can't wait to watch it because I think you know Edmonton rely so heavily on the and Dry and certainly goaltending has been a story for them all season. Whether or not they could get the type of consistent goaltending to contend with some of the best teams in the NHL, and I think tonight's another example of a, a really good litmus test for them, whether or not that they could skate with the Bruins on home ice. I, I, I tend to lean towards Bruins with minus one thirty. You know, you talk about the price on Fannie; it's, it's a great number in my opinion. Um, but certainly, it's going to be a good test for Edmonton Oilers, and and tonight we'll figure out if uh, you know if the Oilers can get up for it and, and skate with uh, one of the best teams in the league, or if Boston's just going to run right through. And I lean towards the Bruins money line.
0: And this might be uh, the best odds you get of Boston, and it happens to be the third game of a road swing against a dangerous but flawed Edmonton. Oilers team. Dominic, always appreciate. Thank you so much for joining the show. You can read his work at tsn.ca slash edge. Morning coffee is out now. And again, as we end this, I mean, I don't have you ever seen a time where every major NHL star that got traded, every one of them is going to the Eastern time zone?
3: Every single one of them. And then maybe Patrick Kane as well. I've never seen a situation where you're looking at whether it's Rangers, Devils, Leafs, Lightning. Like, two of those teams are going out in the first round. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait for the NHL playoffs.
0: At least the Eastern version. Hey, Dominic, thank you so much. Really appreciate you joining the show today. Thank you so much. Enjoy the game tonight. Have a great week. Absolutely. You as well. Dominic Padula from TSN Edge. All right, coming up on the other side, we got sound of the day. And I'm sort of debating which one uh which one to go with there's, there's a bunch of good stuff that we haven't gotten to maybe we'll try to squeeze into including Ilya Samsonov is he becoming the russian uh jack campbell like just the nicest guy like everything he says like what a delightful human being this uh Samsonov fella is
2: yeah no he's uh, he he seems to be endearing himself to yeah. the local uh crowd yeah
0: yeah and he he was great yesterday the leafs uh beat the crackers he's crack been and, real good all year yeah It'll get lost because you know the Leafs yeah. make the, the deal today for McCabe, and the Leafs are now better on defense. They're a better team today than they were a day ago, um, but what will get lost is before Mark Giordano scored to tie it at one, Samsonov had a great high-end, high-danger save, and it looked like it looked like Seattle was about to go up two nothing and it's like oh, Leafs are going to uh, they're just you know sleepwalking their way and then uh, Samsonov makes that big save Giordano throws one on net it uh, goes in past Grubauer and uh, suddenly we have a new game Yeah and it's it's
2: something that the Leafs haven't really had in the goaltending department for a while I mean we got a little bit of a Jack Campbell last year at the beginning of the year when he was like yeah, no standing on his head Yeah uh, but outside of that you haven't really gotten that that big, high-pressure could go down by two goals, kind of save from a Leafs goaltender. So it's nice to see every once in a while that it happens.
0: Yep, it does. Um, so, yeah, on the other side, if you missed it, the latest on the on the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, and all you need to know, they got better on defense. Uh, they'll be kind of boring when it's time for Bob McKenzie's draft rankings. We'll leave it at that. We'll get to that right after traffic. Hey! Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cosright, right here on TSN 1050. Just, uh, it's gonna be Hayes and Frankie Corrado. Those guys are both gonna be here in studio for Overdrive. And the big news is the Toronto Maple Leafs have gone out and made another trade. After watching the Devils and their fifth ranked offense add Timo Meyer. And then Tampa trades away, um, you know, their entire draft stock to go uh, to go toughen up with uh, Tanner Jannenau and every star going west to east. The Maple Leafs have made another deal this time with the Blackhawks, getting defenseman for Jake McCabe, McCabe, excuse me, who is going to be in that top four group. Sam Lafferty who you could see maybe on the third or fourth line, a depth defenseman, and some draft picks uh, going back to the Leafs. But the big one, a conditional first-rounder going to the Blackhawks in 2025, a second-rounder in 2026, and a couple prospects, including Joey Anderson. By the way, Kyle Dubas, the general manager of your Toronto Maple Leafs, will be speaking to the media, we think, just after 4 o'clock. Um, That time might float, might change just by a couple minutes here or there. But Overdrive will be taking the Kyle Dubas press conference live, so you'll hear all of that. Also, what you need to know is McCabe, uh, his salary has been, the Blackhawks are retaining half of his salary. And he is under contract with the Maple Leafs for the rest of this year and two more seasons at a pretty fair price so if you're going to trade a first-round pick, at least it's for a guy who will be here for a couple of years. You're talking about a left-shot defenseman who can play a little bit on the right side, plays difficult minutes, eats minutes, and, again, is a top-four guy. Does this mean Giordano now goes on a third pairing with Lillegrin? Does it mean Sandine is the odd man out? Also, from a salary cap standpoint, when and if they activate Matt Murray, they'll be over the cap. Does that mean they look to trade Justin Hall, two million dollar contract, a UFA after this year? But I feel like you'd have to get rid of some draft picks because it feels like teams would be doing you a favor. What about Alex Kerfoot? Makes three and a half million. He's a UFA after this year. But again, moving those guys to do the salary cap gymnastics, if something like that is being looked at, you're not getting back picks. You're probably having to get rid of picks for another team to do it to help you out. I think the only way you ever see draft picks coming back to Toronto is if they trade one of Sandine or Lilligren. Because, like, well, you know, now we've brought in McKay. We've got him for three more years. Go back and recoup some of the losses. It's, it's a big deal, and part of this was done because every other team in the East is saying bleep draft picks. They're going full L.A. Rams, and it is strictly about trying to win, win now, in the, the most top-heavy Eastern Conference I can remember. It's it is crazy the difference between the east and the west. It's crazy how many like just how many teams in the east have a better record than the number 1 team, the Vegas Golden Knights in the west. Just nuts. All right, we do this at the end of each and every show. It is time now for sound of the day.
2: Sound of the day. Sound of the day. Here comes the sound of the day.
0: And one of the topics uh, revolving around the Toronto Maple Leafs has been Austin Matthews. It's been a while since he scored, like four games. People are wondering. No one's actually worried. They're more just going, huh, this is something we don't normally see. This is a guy who's 60 goals last year and is basically always on pace for 50 or more every season. But he's, you know, this is his lowest goal scoring per 60 minutes of his entire career. He's shooting less. His percentage is down. It's, uh, you know, it's a bit of a wonder. Well, last night, uh, is put together on a line with Mitch Marner. Scores twice. Marner looked great. By the way, Mitch Marner... He's the best run on Maple Leaf this year. He gets the belt. Now it can change. Matthews can go and grab it back. But right now, Mitch Marner has that belt. Ilya Samsonov, who had a great game on Sunday. Just this very nice, sweet answer when he was asked about, hey, thoughts on Austin Matthews scoring two goals?
2: Well, for sure. He's, uh, I think, for everybody. Yeah? Maybe if you score... One goal, you got some more confidence. Same like goalie, if you got a good save, your confidence is a little bit up. I'm so happy for Austin. Oh. He's a nice guy. He's a nice teammate. He's awesome.
0: Very nice. That was very That's nice. what I say yeah. about you to all the other oh, producers, Thank you. Maddie. Thank you. He's very nice. He's very, awesome. He's, he's, he's nice. I'm not going to try to do an in a hey, Let's stick with the Leafs. Um, let's give a shout out, Mark Giordano. Here's him talking, and this was one of the big moments from the game. And it, it's, it's going to get lost, but he he set the NHL record when he blocked number shot two thousand and forty five. Well, it's cool. I mean, I think uh, no, it's something I'm definitely proud of. I think it shows, uh, you know, it shows that you care and uh, trying to do the right thing for the team. So uh, it's it's a big one, and uh, big. More importantly, it was uh, nice nice to come back to Seattle. Ah uh, see, see obviously some familiar faces, but get a big win and uh, had a lot of fun doing it, so it was good. And finally, let's hear from the head coach, Sheldon Keefe, about what he liked about last night in the third period. We just touched on, you know, the last time we were in Buffalo, you know, we had a very comfortable lead, Um, more comfortable than tonight even, and all of a sudden it's 5-3 and you're protecting the the lead there and their goalie's out and all all of these things. We didn't want it to be like that. We wanted to to close the deal and do it. do it by controlling play and playing on the half of the ice defending hard, getting out of our zone quickly all those kind of things so I thought the guys did a good job of that You know, most importantly we just didn't want to give the opposition any real life uh, and aside from the penalty that we took and their power play I, didn't, I thought we did a good job of that Yep, it was a hell of an effort by Toronto and uh, the next time they will be playing is Wednesday against the Edmonton Oilers If you're looking for a good game tonight... Boston at Edmonton is a hell of a game. And you got the Golden Knights at Colorado. So there's no Leafs, no Raptors, but there is some fantastic action on the ice. That will do it for me. Gameplay on TSN 1050 is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Overdrive, Hayes, Corrado, and the O-Dog. And they'll have full coverage of the Kyle Dubis Presser. That is coming up. That's it for me. Time now. Now for traffic.